Let us pray. That word, Emmanuel, God with us, changes everything in our lives. Lord, I just pray that you will just open up our hearts even more to allow you, our God, the living God, our Lord and Savior, to reside more and more inside of us, Lord. Help us to be more worshipful. Help us to um, just seek your face more. Help us to pray to you. Help us to read and chew on and digest your scriptures because that is where true life, spiritual life, comes from. And it, that is where also we are able to find the joy that you want us to have in you, our Lord, and in our hearts, that we can share that joy and love. And as we experience and live in the hope uh, that you have given to us, Lord, and that you provide that true peace in our hearts that we so long for. And I, Lord, I just pray that you will take these words that I bring and um, speak to your people in, uh, in, in some new and fresh way today. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Nice to be with you. So joy. Um, that's uh, what I've been asked to, uh, to preach about. And so, it's always a great question to ask, what brings you joy? What brings, you know, people joy? Um, I could answer, you know, maybe when I first started thinking about it, I, on a more superficial level, I was thinking, well, I enjoy going to movies. Uh, I like theater. Well, not all movies and theater I go to are really that edifying and, and really bring real joy. I like watching sports. That is for sure. And um, I think as some of you know, I do have a certain team that I really like. Now, I didn't bring the whole collection. This was easy to bring. This will go back onto my refrigerator so that I can see it every time I eat food. Um, yes, a priest needs breath mints, especially when you're, uh, and I just remembered for the second service, they have a little G on it. I have a pen somewhere. I've lost that. I had that in my pocket. I was going to throw that out, and I could go on and on. You can imagine what I have. But. And, you know, the Packers, I could say, you know, they do bring me joy, and in 2010 they won the Super Bowl, but that hasn't lasted. They haven't been back since. And uh, they are losing. They're going to have their, they're going to miss the playoffs for two years in a row. And I'm not leaving you alone, Father Jose. I've heard you're a big Lakers fan. They've won a lot of titles, but I don't think they've been in the playoffs for about six years. And I know LeBron James, is he bringing you some joy now? Or at, least there's, at least there's some hope, you know, because the Lakers are going to make the, uh, make, make the playoffs. And then, uh, sorry, Michelle, I'm not going to leave you alone. You're a big Dodgers fan, and I know there are, there are others. But, uh, you know, winning the World Series, that would make Michelle very happy. But, like, when the Packers won... Eight years ago, the Super Bowl, yeah, it was great. Afterwards, it was a joyous, it was a happy ride home, but it didn't last. I mean, you know, it was kind of nice, hey, until, but once the next season started. But even then, that, that's not what really matters in life. But, you know, we do, we do have fun, and, you know, we need to rest, and, and God does provide that. But joy is something that doesn't just depend upon the Packers winning the Super Bowl every year, or good things happening and more, more serious things, more important things happening. Because as uh, 
preachers have preached on happiness depends upon happenings and good things happening, but joy is what endures. Joy in the Lord is what we can go back to. And I, I don't know how it all works because, you know, we can, you know, we have ups and downs in life and, and, and sometimes those down periods last a long time. Yeah. But the joy that we get comes from the hope that we have in, in Jesus Christ that it, He is going to make things right. And also the hope that, you know, as we, in this Advent season, we do look towards Christmas Eve and Christmas Day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus that happened 2,000 years ago. Yes, we do because that changed everything for us. Allowed God to, to, to live inside of us in a, in a new and greater way because God came in our flesh looking like us, living like we did, having the weaknesses we did, but without sin. And then as we know, as we move to Easter and Good Friday, Jesus paid the price, as Father Jose said at the beginning of the service, for our sin, so that we, our relationship with the Father could be restored. And that promise then is available to us during this life. And then as we know forevermore, all we have to do is believe, because also in Advent we do look ahead to Jesus coming again. Well, He will make everything right, and there will be new heavens and, and new earth, and God And Jesus, the risen Lord, will judge. And He's also going to bring His people with Him. And in our Old Testament reading, I'm only going to briefly touch upon it, we got to read the best part of Zephaniah chapter 3. We read, you know, in our our verse, it it began, our passage began in verse 14, Sing for joy, daughter Zion. Well, and then as what we, we read... There was a lot of bad stuff that happened before and probably you know, some of the most difficult and vivid and graphic language of, of God's judgment found anywhere in the Bible. And then basically just in a, in a nutshell, Zephania writes in between about 621 and 640 B.C. And we, you students of the Bible history know that in 586 B.C. the Babylonian Empire finished completely destroying Jerusalem and the temple where the people of God worshipped Yahweh, the Lord their God, since Solomon built the temple. This majestic temple and Jerusalem were completely laid in ruins. And one of the problems and one of the things God, uh, God said through his prophet Zephaniah was that his people were worshipping other gods. And Baal, one of the worst ones that they that they worshiped and that the day of the Lord is near and the judgment did come. But within 70 years after that, Ezra had led the rebuilding of the temple so that God's people couldn't come back and worship Him there. And then their captivity to Babylon had been erased when the Persian Empire um, defeated Babylon and they were much better to Israel and allowed them to build the temple. And that's... Part of, that's one of the things that God is speaking of here. And to the people in, who are reading this, the people of Israel, Old Testament people in the Scriptures. So they were restored. But we know that's not all that we see because Yahweh your God is among you, a warrior who saves. And 
we move ahead 500 or more years to John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. They were born within three months of each other. Now, I'm going to spare you talking about you brood of vipers in that passage. I'm not going to do too much with John and actually going to go really, you know, to his, to his birth. But he was the messenger we read about last week in, in Malachi. And then also we read more what he came to do in Luke's gospel, chapter 3, that he came to preach a baptism of repentance for sin. And he came to prepare. He was the messenger who was announcing that Messiah was here. Kingdom of God is near. And that brought John great joy. And John actually, even before he was out of his mother's womb, leaped for joy when his mother and Jesus' mother Mary came for the first time that when Mary came to visit Elizabeth, because John was three months older than Jesus, once Mary came into the presence of Elizabeth, where John is in the womb, his mother Elizabeth had an earthquake inside almost, because John was leaping for joy, because the Messiah was near. That, is, that was his purpose for living. And as we know, and as he was so singularly focused on it, and was just a great prophet. And he didn't care what the world thought of him, you know, through his unusual dress and different kind of appetite that we know of. That's what he did. So coming back to joy, I was thinking about things that now I'm going to get a little deeper and really get to joy. What things bring me joy? And, and also I asked because we have a much smaller audience at the first service, I was able to ask them. If I do that, we might be here till one or two o'clock, and then I'm going to get in big trouble. So, but most of the people said, my family, people that I love, friends. Yeah. Yeah, that is. We have two great commandments. Love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a great gift that God gives us. And I would I would agree with that. I, I love spending time with family. I love spending time, you know, with Michelle. And when I think about what brings me joy, you know, spending time with her in the vacation times when we can be together, you know, more than, than we can. Um, then, of course, God's love for us and Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who changed my life and direction and path in the early 1990s when I moved after I'd moved from Milwaukee to New York. And, and I'm incredibly grateful. And that's what, the only reason that I'm here today. And also, something that brings me joy is knowing in my heart when I'm being used by God for his kingdom purposes. And I say when because I sometimes am not about God's business. But that is really one of the great joys you know, in life. And then... At this time of year, I, I really get joy out of listening to some of my favorite Christian songs and hymns, and then even, you know, uh, some of my favorite Christian songs. And Oh Holy Night is probably my favorite uh, Christmas song. Um, going back to theater, I mean, one show, my favorite musical is Les Miserables. And some of you know, the, and, and that one is that, is, that play is a joy that lasts, because I saw that play once before I really kind of really kind of came to know Jesus, and then 
I had a completely different experience after I had come to believe in Jesus and was, you know, surrendering my life to him. I mean, I wept at, at parts of it, you know, when God, you know, seeing the, the salvation that, that God brings and, and how God works to, you know, transform a life that is used to transform other people's lives as well. And then, you know, Christmas is a time of joy. And there's just joy at God's amazing grace to us, sinners, everywhere. And the last thing as I was thinking about this, and um, I'll come back to this, but I, I get to, I, as you know, I work, I've worked at Los Angeles Mission for almost 13 years, and a great um, added bonus of that is I've been involved with a uh, federally qualified health center called Los Angeles Christian Health Centers, who provides health care. We started off by providing it to homeless people. That's where we got our grant, right across the street from Los Angeles Mission. We got another grant from the feds in Boyle Heights, uh, near a public housing project. And then we have a lot of working poor who come to us. We go, we're in Watts, we, we're in some other um, you know, missions in downtown who minister to, uh, who serve you know, the, the poor and, and the homeless. And this organization, it just brings me great joy and it just in, increases just to see where, where God has brought this organization through people who have committed their lives and certainly their work careers, you know, to serve people in need. And it's challenging work for them. This clinic started in 1995 and it actually, when Los Angeles Mission bought a crack house hotel that was almost 100 years old, I guess then maybe it was 90 years old, we bought it, it was across the street, and on one of the floors, they started providing medical dental care, and, I, and it says some chiropractic care, and then the two floors up above, we used it for transitional housing. And then in 2002, the year started, we had six employees. Then in, like by the end of the year, it was a, some big growth. They grew to 14. 16 years later, we have 160 employees. And in this past year, we've served over 11,000 patients call Los Angeles Christian Health Centers, their medical home. And we provided over 55,000 encounters to people who can't get health care in other places, and it's based upon, solely upon their ability to pay. And what really brings joy, and what is just an absolutely incredible, remember I, I wanted to share about how small this organization was. We get a lot, we get grants from, you know, fa certain foundations and, and certainly the federal government, but a very small individual donor base. Well, faithful leaders I wasn't the most faithful one, I'll have to be honest with you, several years ago, we said, we've got to get a new health center to replace that crack house hotel, which they occupy in full, they've maxed that thing out. We are constructing right now a 25,000 square foot health clinic to replace that crack house clinic. And it, a year from now, it should be open, and they will be starting to do that. And they'll be able to serve a lot more people, they'll also be able to expand optometry services which will be, they'll have at least one full-time optometrist. They're going to have a place they can wash feet. They'll have a chapel. Um, just 
more dental you know, being provided. It's just incredible. And that is one of the places I had no idea when I started at Los Angeles Mission, there was this little health center. And that thing just really brings me great joy. And we have, in 1999, our first doctor was a recent medical school graduate. And today, for the last six years, she's been our fantastic but oh-so-humble chief executive officer who has helped lead us to this, helped fund this 25,000-square-foot health center that we are spending a total of $27 million to do. I have no idea, really, in my little human mind, how this possibly could have taken place. But God, only because of God. And God wants to help his people. He wants to help us. And that should bring us joy, no matter where we're at. God is there, and God is is just knocking on our door. He's all around us, and we just need to seek him. And then we have Philippians, and we have the great apostle Paul. No greater apostle. And in Philippians, Philippians, one, one important and recurring theme of Philippians, the letter to the Philippians, is joy. And we read, that's our our passage in uh, chapter 4, verse 4 began, rejoice in the Lord always. But that wasn't the only references to to joy and rejoicing. Rejoicing is that word to be be glad and to be filled with joy and to show that joy, be exuberant. He begins his letter when he's giving thanks and praying for the Philippians, he has joyful thoughts of them. He says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. An example for us when we pray for others. And how cool is that? Somebody's praying with joy for us. But we have a father who takes great joy in us. And then moving on in chapter, chapter 1, Paul says it in verses 18 and 19 that he rejoices that Christ is proclaimed. And he's rejoicing in his deliverance from sin and salvation through your prayers, Philippians, and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say in verses 21 to 26 that, you know, he's got this great ministry that God has called him to, but he goes, I'd much rather be with with my risen Lord and Savior, Jesus. But he knows that God wants him to remain on earth to help the Philippians grow in Christ and for their joy in their faith in Jesus Christ crucified. He knows that's God's call for him. And he wants the Philippians to just continue to experience joy in the Lord and to experience an even greater joy in the Lord. Then at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul asked the Philippians because while this was one of the This was one of Paul's favorite churches, at least when you look at the the letters that he wrote to the different churches. And they were, they had a lot of good things going for them, but there were some, you know, divisions. And he just asked the Philippians to fulfill his joy by being united together in Christ and having the same love, sharing the same feelings, and focusing on the one goal of knowing Christ Jesus, the Lord. And then in chapter 2, Verses 17 to 18, Paul, as we know, suffered a lot for the gospel. And as he's writing 
this letter to the Philippians, he is in prison. And, but in spite of all this, and he continues, he writes these letters that go out to these churches to continue to build them up and certainly to proclaim the gospel of faith in Jesus Christ to the Philippians. And he's glad of this. And he rejoices with them. And he says, he asks them, please, you know, do the same. Be glad and rejoice with me. And then near the end of chapter 2, the Philippians had sent Epaphroditus. Paul had requested this to help him in prison with his ministry. And Paul writes that Epaphroditus, and the Philippians know this, had come close to death. And he was going to, but he did not, and he had risked his life. And Paul was sending this co-worker back to the Philippians. And so he wanted them to rejoice when he arrives, to see them, to help build up this worker who has given so much for the gospel of Christ and to Paul, the leader of the, uh, the church. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul simply says, rejoice in the Lord. He rejoices. He's glad and in a state of happiness and well-being that lasts. And this rejoice in the Lord and joy doesn't depend upon changing circumstances because changing circumstances can do. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't even know what this afternoon may bring. But there is one Lord who does not change no matter what we go through. And that Lord, when we leave this earth, we can still be with Him forever. Because joy is not superficial happiness that only comes around when things go well. And the things I read you, I just want to highlight and notice what Paul rejoices about. He's not rejoicing about the size of his bank account or his possessions or his success or his fame. It's Paul, and he tells us in one of the, uh, I think it's actually in Philippians 3. He goes, he was, he was an Israelite. He was a Pharisee. He was born of the tribe of ben- Benjamin. He was well-educated under the best rabbis. He had a lot going for him. But he said that, that meant nothing compared to knowing Christ. And he rejoices in the Lord above all. He rejoices over his Philippian Christian brothers and sisters. He rejoices over the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached, taught, and caught by people. And he rejoices even though he's imprisoned and all the other hardships that he endured in his life to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord because he was beaten. He was imprisoned. This wasn't the only time he was in prison. He was shipwrecked. You know, he almost died a, a few times. But he just, he rejoiced that he could proclaim Christ. And he rejoices about what really matters in life. And when, you know, we're not going to do all the things that, that Paul did, but these are the things, you know, to rejoice in. And I'm reminded of a theme of a Christmas sermon that I heard 20 years ago in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the town that I, the city that I grew up in. And it kind of sums up Christ's work. And the preacher comes out very 
very good preacher um, at, at a large church, and he comes out and he begins, he says, Christmas. And use the, the letters in Christmas to say, Christmas stands for Christ has really invaded Satan's territory, making available salvation. Christ did do that. He invaded Satan's territory of sin and, and manipulating and, and seeking to destroy people. But Jesus offered the way out. Jesus overcame sin in the, sin in the grave when he rose from the dead. And all we need to do is just accept that offer of salvation. And when we do that, our themes, our four candles surrounding where the Paschal candle will go, of hope, love, joy, and peace, four of the greatest things we can possibly have are ours. We just need to believe in Jesus. And during this season of Christmas, we have a lot of Christmas songs. And the songs that we've sang so far, you know, joy has been a theme in that. And joy is a popular theme of Christmas hymns and songs. I decided I wanted to go to these things, and it wasn't very hard for me. I mean, I know joy to the world, you know, the most obvious one. But it wasn't too hard to find joy in so many of the Christmas songs. And I even found a, a new one. I had just gotten a new, or I, I've had it, but I finally listened to this new CD from Times Square Church in New York, a church that has exuberant, more gospel-type you know, worship that I attended for a couple of years there. And there was this song. I've listened to it probably 30 times, and I listened to it uh, this morning just to kind of you know, pump me up. And it starts off, there's a clap of joy over the wonderful birth. Jesus Christ is Lord of the earth. There's a song in the air. Jesus answers our prayer. He certainly did. And we rejoice in his light. And then there's a song called Good Christian Men or Christian People. It's called Christian Men Rejoice. That's just that's in the name of it. And then, as I said, my favorite song, Oh Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt his worth and the thrill of hope the weary soul rejoices. And then going on to another verse. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains of sin shall he break. For the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Fall on your knees. O oh, hear the angel voices. O oh, night divine. O oh, night when Christ was born. That was the night that so much changed. The answer to our prayers, the ultimate answer to sin and separation from God the Father was given to us through this little baby. And we know the rest of the story you know, for 2,000 years. And that song, Joy to the World, begins, Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. That's what God wants for all of us. And God wants us, yeah, we've, for those of us who've, who've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's this, we need to always be continuing to prepare 
this room. Expand. Allow God to expand this heart to receive more of Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but that's the only thing that lasts. That's what allows me to live in this world and to be more of what God wants me to be. And as you all know, that sinful side is just always wanting to just kind of, you know, kind of push in. And then, you know, the news that we hear just isn't good. And, you know, bad things happen. Bad health, death, um, disappointment, hurt, could go on and on. And also there's, there's joy. We see celebrities. The music business is one of the ones that's been most of people achieve the greatest fame. And then we hear 27-year-old died of an overdose. We need Jesus throughout our lives. And one of the great gifts that God gives us is joy. And God made this joy possible because of this little baby Jesus born in a manger from an earthly standpoint. Wasn't wealthy. Actually, after he started on his three-year ministry, in the last three years of his life, he didn't really have a home. But he was the greatest person you know, to, ever, to ever live. And he has done so much. And he makes his joy available to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a joy that will remain deep down the highs and lows of life. And it's a joy that endures life's most difficult times. Amen.